episode number 210 of the Emotionally Equipped Podcast. Hi, this is Shira Gura. Welcome to my podcast. If you're new to me, just so that you know who you're listening to, I am the author of the books, Getting Unstuck, Five Simple Steps to Emotional Well-Being, and The Clear Way, Five Simple Steps to Be Mentally Prepared for Anything. These books are based on two self-help tools I created that support you in getting unstuck and getting clear so you can live deliberately. Thank you so much for choosing to be with me today. And now for today's episode. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you so much for joining me today. So today I have something very special to share with you. And that is an intimate conversation that I had with my daughter just two days ago. If you are a long-term listener of this podcast, you will know that my podcast is typically a solo show. I haven't really incorporated interviews into this podcast, but something was tugging at me to do so this week. And let me explain why. So my daughter's name is Ayala. Ayala means female deer in Hebrew. Ayala was born in Berkeley, California, And when my husband and I moved to Israel in 2009, she was going into second grade. Her mother tongue is English. Ayala and I speak English to one another, but most of her waking day is in Hebrew. And so you'll detect a little bit of an accent when you hear this episode. So Ayala is currently participating in a gap year program between finishing high school and starting the army. In Israel, if you're not familiar, the National Military Service is mandatory for all Israeli citizens over the age of 18, aside from Arab Israelis who are exempt, and there are some other exceptions due to religious or physical or psychological grounds. But for all intents and purposes, the army is a thing here in Israel. It's just like a rite of passage, and it becomes a part of your identity, not only what you experience when you're in it, but the different life journeys you take from that place, because often the position that you're in can lead you to future directions in your life. I was not a soldier in the Israeli army because I was too old by the time I moved here. And I have to say, this is one of the reasons I'll probably never feel 100% Israeli. It's because I didn't have that experience. My husband, on the other hand, who grew up here, was a soldier in the army, and he was in a special elite unit. So during the year or so leading up to your recruitment, the kids, and I call them kids because they are still kids, right? They're like 17, 18, 19 years old. They have the chance to audition, if that's the right word, for different elite positions if they choose. They don't have to. They can just wait and see where their army randomly places them. But my daughter, I allow was not interested in being randomly placed. She wanted to have the most meaningful army experience possible, and she really believed she had a chance at being accepted into one of these elite units. And so two weeks ago, she went through this really intense two-day selection process, which you'll hear about in a second. She didn't go into tremendous detail, but I believe it'll be enough for you to get a picture of what she experienced. And you'll hear the results of that process and her response to it. And then you're going to hear a second selection process that she participated in one week ago and her feelings about that. I have to say, I have never, ever 
been in such a mentally challenging situation like she's been in during these selection processes. You know, it's the army, right? They're not there to play games. And if anything, they're there to break these kids, to really see who is the most fit, both physically and mentally, for these elite positions. And I'm just in awe at how my daughter is coping with all of it, and I wanted to share it with you. She did receive the results from the first selection process, which you're going to hear in this conversation. When I did this interview with her, she hadn't yet heard back from the second selection process. But a few hours after finishing this interview, she did get a response, and I'm going to share that with you at the end of this conversation. Okay, my dear friends, I hope you enjoy this interview. Okay, Ayala, tell everybody when you were born. How old are you? I was born in 2002, so I am 19 years old right now. Okay, so do you remember the first time I taught you about the Unstuck Method? I don't remember exactly the first time, but I remember a good conversation that we had in your bedroom when I had a difficult situation. I don't even remember what it was. And I was really stuck. It was with one of my friends, I think. And I remember I left the conversation and I felt really different and I felt amazing. And since then, every time I had something really serious, which was like two or three times after that, I always knew to come to you and it always really helped me. Okay, so I'm starting to cry. (laughs) I guess I should have expected that. Okay, so this is what I remember. I remember the first conversation we had. I was actually driving down south to do a speaking engagement about the unstuck method. And I was participating in some sort of conference that it was like a two-day conference. And I realized it just made more sense to sleep over there. And I thought it would be a good opportunity to take you along, even though it would mean taking you out of school for two days and you were up for it. So on the way down, it was just you and I, and you know, that's like really good quality time to have with one another. You opened up to me and you shared with me that you felt stuck. Those were your exact words. You said, Ima, I feel stuck. And I felt so appreciative that you felt comfortable sharing that with me. So what I remember is you were just starting a new high school and you wanted to go to a party but you you know, I remember, but you were nervous about it because you knew there was going to be drinking and smoking and drugs and you didn't want to feel out of place. And at the same time, you wanted to go and you were really stuck. You didn't know what to do. And so in that car ride down, I walked you through the unstuck method. And like you said, you just felt so much better after that because you realized you had all these stories in your head that weren't even necessarily true. And you were making up stories without even realizing it. And I don't know if you remember, but what happened was you ended up going to that party and you were so proud of yourself for going to the party and you had a good time and you showed up exactly as the person that you wanted to be because you had that strength and confidence because we had that conversation. Do do you remember that? Yeah, no, I really remember that. Okay. So the second question that I wanted to ask you is, do you remember when I taught you about the clear way? The clear... I also don't remember exactly when. I feel like it's always like in the conversation in the house. Okay, so of course I do remember. (laughs) So I'm going to remind you. So you came to me and you said, Ima, I need to make a decision about something. You said, I applied for this gap year program and I got in and it's Mm -hmm. this is my first choice. Remember? Yeah, Yeah. And I really want to go. And you said, my boyfriend at the time, who still is your boyfriend, 
also got into the same gap year program and we need to make a decision. Should we go together to the same gap year program or should we go separately to different ones? And that was a big decision. That, that's a really big decision. Because for my listeners who may not know, these gap year programs can be super small. You know, it could be like 20, 30 kids. And that can be challenging, you know, to go not even with a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, but even to go with a best friend. And at the same time, wanting to really open yourself up to new relationships and learning new things and being with new people. Anyway, so if you remember, we sat in my yoga studio, the two of you, and I walked you through the clear way in order to get you mentally prepared to make that decision. And do you remember what happened after that? I remember that we both sat with a piece of paper and we both wrote down exactly what we expect and what we accept. And then we wrote down our three ways of being. And I remember that that was that was a point that really helped us and really helped us decide and really helped us understand what we were afraid of. And that fear isn't a place that we should act from and take decisions from. And also we left there and we left really in a really different place and it really helped us also. I'm so glad you remember that. <laughs> that makes me feel so happy that you remember that. Okay, so this is the reason I wanted to interview you. You are now in the middle of doing these, I don't even know what it's called in English. In Hebrew, it's called gibush. And in English, maybe I would say selection process. I don't even know what it's called. But you're in this process right now of figuring out where you're going to be in the army. And I've been witnessing you doing these tremendous two or three day long army exercise selection process thing, whatever it's called. And I am just in awe of how you are handling all of it. Because I don't think most kids your age would be handling these things the way that you are. I, I simply am in such awe of you. And I think, and I could be wrong, but I think part of that has to do with the fact that you are emotionally equipped, that you know how to get unstuck from difficult things and you know how to get mentally prepared for things because you learned my tools. And so what I want to ask you now is as much as you can, and I don't know how much you're allowed to share, but as much as you feel comfortable with sharing, if you can tell us what happened a couple of weeks ago when you had your first gibush, and then tell us what the result was and how you handled that. Okay, so I had this position in the army that since the beginning of 12th grade, I've really, really, really wanted to get into. It's been like my dream position. The position is called Tagach, which is an acronym of Climbing, Repelling, and Rescuing. So what they do is they teach special units how to do repelling for special operations that they have. So even getting to the position that I can try out for this position is really, really difficult. Only 100 people get to try out. So for about a year and a half, I've been trying to get into the list. And then about a month before the tryouts, I got a message from the army that I have these tryouts and I was super excited. And I got prepared the best I could. I spoke to everyone I knew about the, about the position. I asked everyone I knew about the tryouts themselves to see what is going to happen there so I can get ready. Also mentally and also physically because most part of the tryouts for the army is really mental. It's a lot of mental work. So I got to the tryouts and there were two days, like my mom said, and they split us up into groups of 10. And that was our small group for the two days. And basically, these specific tryouts weren't really physical. It was a lot of building stuff together as a group to kind of see each one in their natural way of being in a group, to see 
some people will be more the leaders. Some people will be more the people who just do what they're told to do. Some people will kind of fade away. And these, these actions really show what each person is in their natural way. And it's important for this position because this position is about 16 people, only 16 people in the whole, in the whole army. And they're together for three years. So the friendship part in this group is really, really important. Because if there's one person that's too dominant or one person that's not friendly, so it can really impact on the group. So it's really important for them to figure this out before they accept people to this position. The second day of the tryouts, we drove to to the nature and we had a whole day of repelling. So they taught us how to climb on a rope, how to go down a rope, how to get out of complicated situations. And I remember that there was one time that I went up the rope and everything went wrong. Like nothing, (laughs) everything got complicated. And I remember myself being up there on the rope and thinking to myself that if I was in this situation last year, I almost 100% would either freeze or start crying or just be really upset. And instead, I kind of, I just smiled and laughed a little to myself. And I kept thinking, okay, Ayla, what should you do? Why is this wrong? How should you get out of the situation? And I kept playing with the ropes and tying something here and taking off a rope here. And it was really hard. And even my fingers started bleeding in the middle. But then I succeeded. And I was so proud of myself. And I got down the rope. And the person who was watching me said, you can go back. And I kind of, I was with a serious face. And then I turned around and a huge smile spread on my face because I was so proud of how I handled this situation. And then I went back and I saw that I was also the first girl who finished and the sixth out of 31 people that were there. So that was a point that I was really proud of how I handled the situation that I could really easily get stuck on. Another situation that I was really proud of myself was with the group dynamics. Naturally, I'm a quiet person and I don't have a loud voice. And a lot of times in group dynamics, I feel like my voice can get swallowed up with all the voices. And even if I try to speak, people won't hear my voice. And I usually don't have so much confidence to lead a group. But I knew that in this tryouts, it was something that was important to do. And I had to somehow show myself in the best way and be 100% myself. So I saw that every time that someone leaded, They were under a lot of pressure and they were really stressed. And the way they led the group was with a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. So I told myself that when when it's my turn to lead the group, the most important thing for me is to stay calm and to be organized, to tell everyone in the group what their job is and to just keep telling them everything's okay, to stay calm, just to do what you're supposed to do and we'll succeed. And, And again, I was really proud of myself and I felt like I was able to be dominant without trying to be something that I'm not. And I feel like last year, I don't know if I would be able to do that, that I could get to that place. Ayla, tell us now, how did you feel at the end of those two days? Like, how did you feel about yourself? What were you honestly thinking? Like, what were you honestly thinking was going to happen? What did you think the, the result was going to be, the answer was going to be? Like, did you think you were going to get accepted? And what was your response afterwards? Okay, so throughout the whole tryouts, I felt amazing. I was truly having so much fun. And because of the two examples that I said before, and a lot of other small things, I just felt so proud of myself. And I felt like 
I didn't feel like I knew that I did my best and I knew that I was my best self and I knew that I was 100% myself. Throughout the whole tryouts, everyone was saying, Ayala, you're, you're definitely going to pass. You're definitely going to get accepted. It's not even a question. And, and I left there feeling amazing, feeling on the top of the world, feeling that I did these really two difficult but really fun days. And I felt like I'm really fit for this position. When everyone asked me at home how the tryouts were, I said that I did my best. There's nothing that I would want to do again or that I would do in a different way. And that I showed myself in the way that's 100% me. So I said that if I am accepted, that means that I'm really fit for this position. And if I don't pass, I guess that I really am not what they're looking for and I'm not fit for this position. So I waited a week. And throughout the whole week, I was just, I started dreaming about myself in the army, in this dream position, and I was sure that I was going to pass. And then, as you probably have guessed already, I got the message that said that we are sorry, but you didn't pass the tryouts for the gach, for this position. And the first feeling that I had when I read this message was surprise. I really couldn't believe it. Like, I wasn't even sad or upset. I just didn't believe it. I, I believed so strongly that I was going to pass it that when I read this message, I was sure that it was a mistake. <laughs> I read it over and over and over again and I just couldn't believe it. And I was really confused also because I felt like I was exactly fit for this position. And then at the end of the tryouts, one of the kids from the group opened a WhatsApp group so that when we get the results, everyone would say if, if they passed or didn't pass. And I was even more surprised to see that, that the people that I was sure that were going to pass also didn't pass. And that the two guys that passed from my group, I didn't even notice them that much. I did notice that they were really cute and they were really quiet, but they weren't really dominant. And when we were at free time just being friendly, they were kind of sitting on the side. So I kind of understood that maybe they're looking for people that are more quiet that aren't the leaders and that would be really easy people to be with in a group and I thought that's ironic because in the tryouts they do all these group dynamics that make you feel like they're looking for the leaders and that they're looking for the right type of leaders when actually they're just looking for the people who aren't really good at leading and that and who are more quiet so that was interesting and I expected to be really upset when I heard this news and I expected to be really sad and I expected to take it really hard. But surprisingly, because of what I said before, that I was 100% myself and I did my best. And because I said over and over again that if I'm accepted, that means that I'm really fit for this position. And if I don't pass, then apparently I'm not fit for this position. I told myself that now that I didn't pass, I have to stand by my words and not just say those words on the good occasion that I do pass. So that was one thing that helped me. The second thing that helped me is that I called my friend and she said, okay, Ayla, that's it. That's in the far past. Even though it just happened 10 minutes ago, it's in the far past. It's not part of your life right now. And that really helped me just let it go. I mean, okay, I did these tryouts. I really enjoyed them and they taught me a lot about myself. And I didn't get this position. I guess it's really not for me, even though I thought that it was for me. I can't actually know. And that's it. And I'll move on and I'll try out for a different place. And the third thing that helped me was that I came home and I actually, I told you about this. 
and you said to me, God has a plan for you. And that really settled my mind also. Like, I guess God has a plan for me. I don't know it yet. And I can't know what I'm truly most fit for in the army. And I really, I'm really optimistic about this. And I really believe that God has a plan for me. Wow. Okay. So it, I'm, I'm just in awe. Like I, I'm just, I'm just in awe. So it sounds like whether you use the exact steps or not, it sounds like you were clear going in and it sounds like you're unstuck now. It doesn't sound at all like you're stuck on the response that you got. It sounds like you're unstuck and it sounds like you're ready to move on. Is that right? Would you say that? Yeah. Okay. So then what happened was the next week, you know, you were back home again because you had to go through another one of these selection processes because I guess you can explain it to the listeners, but from what I understand, like you're not interested in just being a regular soldier, you know, because that's what's going to happen if you're not selected into a special unit. You want to be selected into a special unit. So you applied to go through another selection process, and this one was for the Navy. And you haven't heard back from them yet, which is why I wanted to interview you now. So now if you maybe can share with us again what this selection process was like. Again, I don't know how much you, you can share, but from the stories you shared with me, I'm just like, wow, those stories are wow. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Yes. So this one was totally different than the other one. It was much more difficult. We were in the ocean a large portion of the time. And actually, a lot of the time, we just had to switch our clothes. And we had like three or four minutes for that. Switch our clothes, meaning that when we were in the ocean, we had to wear a bathing suit wet army uniform, wet socks, and wet sneakers. And we were, when we were outside of the ocean, we had to wear dry underwear and shirts, dry a dry uniform, dry socks, and dry sneakers. And for that whole process, we had like three minutes to take our bags, to run, to switch our clothes, and to come back and stand in a specific way that you stand in the army. So that was really difficult just to try to break us mentally. They made us run several times back and forth, switching our clothes. We had a lot of actions in the water with black goggles that we had to, for instance, swim to a certain point without peeking or with very little amount of peeking. And that was testing if they could trust us. Because when we came out of the water, they asked me, how many times did you peek? And there was another action with black goggles that I had to just sit in the water, in the cold water, it was already nighttime, until they would tap on my shoulder and take me out. I was with a snorkel, of course, so I could breathe, but I didn't know how long I was going to stay in the water. There was another action in the water with black goggles again that I had to perform specific knots that I had to learn by myself from a sheet of paper on my free time throughout the first day. And then there were actions not in the water that we had like with a gun or with uh, shackles. And there were also the group dynamics. This time they were looking for something different than the last position. And it was a lot of mental work. They were just trying to break us. Every 10 minutes they asked, is everyone feeling okay? Does someone want to go home? Does someone want to take a rest? Does someone want to snack on something? This is the time to drop out before you guys go back in the water. What do you need this for? This isn't even for you. It's for the, it's for the country. A lot of sentences like that. And, and they kind of succeeded. I mean, and there are at least 10 people out of something like 80 who dropped out during those two days. So it was a lot of mental work. It was a lot of physical also. 
And overall, it was just really intense. We didn't have any free time. When we did have free time, we had to stand straight and we weren't allowed to peek. We weren't allowed to speak with each other. And it was just two really intense and mental days. Okay, so now you are at this waiting point, right? Now you don't know what the army is going to say. You don't know if they're going to accept you into this special unit in the Navy or if they don't. And if they do, I'm assuming you're going to be happy. And if they don't, you are going to be in a regular position, just like most people, you know, most kids your age in the army go into just regular, they just become regular soldiers. I don't know if regular is the word, but you know what I mean. And so my question is now, are you clear going into this week, knowing that you're going to get a response from the army? And what does that mean for you? So that's a good question. I think in the back of my mind, one of the things that helped me move on from the last position was knowing that I had a plan B. Even though at the time I really didn't want the Navy because I really wanted the other position, I knew that I had a plan B so I could just move on. But now it's the situation is different because if I don't get into this position, I don't have a plan B. And my recruitment date is really close. It's going to be in July or August. And if I don't get in, I'll have to try somehow to get another position. So I'm still in this optimistic place of God has a plan for me, like you told me. And naturally, I feel like I think the past year helped me. I don't fall deeply into difficult emotions. And I'm really working on not letting the outside influence how I feel. And it's just the army. Like a lot of people that are in the army or outside the army said that when they were at this stage, they really had these dreams to get into specific places and they didn't and it broke them. But now they are in this amazing place that they wouldn't even think of going into. So I'm sure that I'm going to get into a good place in the army. I still don't know how. Okay, Ayala, I just I want to take a moment and just say thank you for agreeing to be interviewed on my podcast. As you know, I don't usually do interviews and I wasn't even sure if you would say yes. So I just want to let you know how much I appreciate you being here and sharing openly. And I really hope that you'll one day look back and listen to this interview and you'll you'll also appreciate the fact that you had this opportunity to, to be interviewed by me. And the last thing I think I want to ask you or just for you to share your thoughts on is, you know, this concept of being emotionally equipped. I mean, the way I see it, I don't think there's anything more important in life than being emotionally equipped. Because when you are emotionally equipped, you empower yourself in any situation. You know how to get unstuck from difficult situations. You know how to be mentally prepared for future events. So I guess I want to just ask you, how much do you think learning the unstuck method and learning the clear way from me has helped you in your life? Like, do you think it played a role in these army situations that you're in, in your social situations at school and in your gap year program? How much do you think these tools have impacted your life? A tremendous amount, definitely. I feel like the three or four conversations that we had about sucking or clear really influenced my way, that, my way of being as a person and my way of approaching situations and new situations. And even in a lot of times when I kind of detect that my friends are stuck, I, I offer them to help them with this, with the stuck or clear method. And I, I tell them that's your method. And I'm always surprised to see how much it helps them and how much I can kind of see how their mind is clear, clearer. 
and I really enjoy that because I feel like I'm not a teenager anymore, but as a teenager or as young adults, life can be really confusing and really challenging and almost everything is a trigger to get stuck on. And a lot of times teenagers don't have an adult that they can approach to and can talk to openly. And there's a lot of peer pressure around and it's super important to build this inner strength so that they can approach social situations, school situations, parties, tests, results, competitions, bullying even, and the best way that they can as themselves. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. It's really nice to hear it from your perspective. And it's one thing that I teach this to people, but when I hear it from other people and I hear the the impact, the powerful and positive impact it's made on their lives, it's it's always nice for me to hear. So thank you. And thank you again for sharing. Thank you for agreeing to be interviewed. And I want to wish you good luck with the army, whatever happens, and that I love you. Okay, my dear friends, I do hope that you enjoyed listening in on this conversation with my daughter. She did hear back from that special unit in the Navy, and she was accepted, and she is on cloud nine. She will be enlisting in the Army this July. I'd love to hear your thoughts and responses to this podcast episode. Please feel free to leave me a note either on my website, shiragura.com, or on Facebook or Instagram at shiragura. If you're listening to this in real time, I want to let you know that I'm offering a free masterclass on getting emotionally equipped so that you can be emotionally empowered in your life and in your relationships. That free masterclass is happening this Thursday, May 6th at 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, or if you're in Israel like me, it's 9 o'clock in the evening. Be sure you are subscribed to my newsletter to get the details and the link to register. In this masterclass, I'm going to share with you about my six-week course, The Emotionally Equipped Journey, which is beginning on Sunday, May 23rd. The doors to that course are now open, and the seats are already getting filled up. So if you're interested in joining me, definitely plan to be at that masterclass, and you can also email me to register and hold your spot. It's going to be great, and I can't wait to get it started. Thank you so much for joining me today, wishing you a wonderful rest of your week. And as always, I look forward to getting emotionally equipped with you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Emotionally Equipped podcast. It is my honor and privilege to be able to show up here each week for you. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to start applying this work to your own life, you have to check out the Emotionally Equipped Journey. This is my six-week group course where you study my tools in depth with me so that you can become emotionally empowered in your life and in your relationships. Head over to my website, shiragura.com for more details and to sign up for the waiting list for the next journey. I look forward to starting this journey with you.